Good morning, Grace. Good morning, Grace. Wow, you all sound so great this morning. Amen. So my name is Golden. I know I, I am a pastoral intern here at Grace Baptist Church. And um, I just want to tell you all that I'm extremely grateful for this opportunity to bring the gospel to you all. And I'm just in awe of how God has been using you all in my life. And, um, you know, I'm sure since when many of you heard that I'll be preaching today, many people have been sending me text messages, just encouraging me, praying for me. Uh, many people have come to me to just hug me and say, Golden, don't worry, you'll be fine. Um, yeah, and many people have just been loving me and showing me care. I just want to tell you all that I am grateful and, um, and I want to tell you all that the Lord has been hearing your prayers. And since when I've been preparing for this sermon, God has been working in my heart. And all in all, I can just conclude by, by, by saying that who am I to bring the message of God to God's people? But thanks be to God who has called all of us and given us the privilege to be ministers of reconciliation through Christ who is our true friend, who forgives us of all our trespasses and counts not our guilt. All glory be unto God. So far, we have been um, journeying through the series of relational wisdom. And we have studied through some wisdom proverbs, and one thing we have learned is that, the, that we have learned that wisdom is not just a sudden entry. You don't just become wise like. It doesn't happen that way. You know, we don't just suddenly enter into the application of wisdom, but we journey through wisdom. We journey through the application of wisdom through series of progressive and intentional practices as we depend on God. Most of we have learned, we have, we have learned that the wisdom proverbs are not promises, but they are principles for living. They are not promises, but they are principles. They show us, well, they show us how to behave, but they do not promise us, they do not promise to change our behaviors. But if you are like me, today, you look at the book of Proverbs as a call to wisdom. Proverbs 1.20 states that wisdom is calling out, out in the street. She lifts her voice at the square. As you listen to God's word today, I just want you all to know that wisdom is calling you. And who is that wisdom of God? We know that the wisdom of God is Jesus Christ. That is the wisdom of God. And today, Jesus calls you. Therefore, today we'll be looking at how the wisdom in the book of Proverbs calls us to friendship or to true friendship. So I want to ask you today, what, what comes to mind when you think of true friendship? What do you imagine when you think of a true friend? Do you think of Joey and Ross in Friends? I'll be there for you. <laughs> right? Is that what comes to mind? All right? 
And my favorite, do you think of Jerry and Kramer in Seinfeld? <laughs> or do you think of guys that, you know, they just have, they always have dinner and lunch together all the time? Do you think of a gym body, right? Like someone that goes to the gym with you all the time. Or do you think of someone that, you know, every time you just click, every time you just meet, you guys just click. There's always something to talk about, right? You guys plan to spend one hour together and it gets to three hours. I know someone like that. I have a friend like that, right? Do you, do you, do you, do you think of friendship as this relationship whereby the two of you just have this mutual interest, Today, I want to also ask you, who do you rely on to be a friend? If you are the true friend, what would he or she look like? Or do you just believe friendship is hard? Like many of us, we believe friendship is just hard. I, I don't even want to have anything to do with it. Like many people say, I don't want to have anything to do with friendship. I, I don't want to have relationship with friends. Friends are hard people. For some of us, due to our negative experience with friendship, we, we ask ourselves, is it wise for me to have a friend? We say, is, is this even wise to keep friends? Is it wise to pursue friendship? So today, the title of my sermon is The Wisdom of Friendship. The Wisdom of Friendship. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The writer of Proverbs declares that a friend loves at all times, all situations. Now, the writer of Proverbs is not saying that, you know, friends are people that every time they're just always in their face, Right? No, that's not what the writer of Proverbs is saying. The writer of Proverbs is saying at every instance of life, even when life changes, a friend is always there. The writer of Proverbs is definitely pointing us to the nature of true friendship. So there is this sense that true friends demonstrate continuity, like perseverance and resilience in investing love in one another. And so this friendship does not change either when situations of life change. It's almost like right I saying that, yes, we, we have family members who would always come to our aid. When we need help, yes, our family will come help us. But the friend is there not only in the time of adversity, but at all times. So even when you are celebrating, a friend is there to celebrate with you. When you are crying, a friend is there to weep with you. When you are, when, when you are eating, a friend is there to eat with you, right? How many of you have that friend, right? No, I'm not sharing my fries with you, <laughs> right? Yeah, we have that friend. In abundance, that friend is there with you. But in little, the friend is also there. In the time of poverty, that friend is there. And in the time of riches, the friend is also there. But today, we will discover that the reason, today, 
we'll discover that the reason for friendship lies in the fact that we are, every one of us here, we are all spiritually needy and needed. Now, the argument that I'll be making to you all today is that we are all spiritually needy and also needed. I'm sure some of you are saying, what? Why would this, why would this intern say that, right? But, but then, but I just want you all to listen to me, right? Just listen to me. Give me some seconds, all right? He says, you know, the, the gravity, the gravity of our neediness should propel us towards meaningful friendship. And the magnitude of our needfulness should motivate us towards embracing and nurturing true friendship. Let's take, for instance, this, this, we know our strong guy, David, in the Bible. There was a time in the Bible, like we all know, David killed Goliath. David defeated bears and lions. But there was a time in his life when he needed a friend. And when he needed that friend, he ran to that friend. And then we have his friend, Jonathan, right? Jonathan, right? Jonathan also needed David. So we look at it like if you look at 1 Samuel um, 18, verse 1 to 4, right? We can see, it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, so that's that's Jonathan. He says, the soul of Jonathan was neat to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And, and, Saul, and, Saul took him that, and Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan loved David. And later on, we'll see what Jonathan does. And it says, Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Yes, we know that Jonathan loved David, but that love was demonstrated in the way Jonathan sacrificed what was his for David. He gave to David. It's more like he was, he was pulling off his royal robes and wearing it on David. It's like, my friend, take this. I know this, this sword belongs to me, but take it. I'm going to give you. So we see, we see Jonathan doing that. But guess what? David also does the same thing. Look at it. He says, if you look at 1 Samuel 20, 41 to 42, he says, and as soon as the boy had gone, so this is another setting right here, it says, David rose from behind the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept, and wept with one another, David weeping the most. David is bowing down three times to Jonathan. We, so, so from what we can see here, we can see two friends, Jonathan and David. They have this mutual humility and interest for one another. 
So, and later on, yes, David needed help from Jonathan, but later on we'll find out that Jonathan also needed help from David. Jonathan told David, like, when you become king, you, you got to remember me. You got to remember your boy, right, when you become king. And David did that. David remembered Jonathan. So we see that going on there. So these are two people here, equally needy and needed. And that's friendship. Friendship, friendship are just two people. The the friendship we're talking about here is the union of two people coming together to say, you know what, I'm as needy as you. And I'm needed in this relationship too. So, this takes me to my um, first lesson. This takes me to my first lesson, which says we need friendship and are always needed for friendship. We need friendship and are always needed for friendship. So, again, how can we define friendship? How would we define friendship here? I'll say that um, friendship is the communion of fellowship between two or more people who view themselves as equally needy and needed and have continual mutual affection for each other and they have investments in each other. So the question today is why should we even pursue this friendship? Why should we pursue this union between the needy and the needed? Why? What's the wisdom in it? Again, back to my first point, we need friendship and are always needed for friendship. Proverbs 17 verse 17 says, again, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. The truth is that in this life, life is so hard. And we all know that. In many cases, most of us, we encounter trials and tribulations daily. But the truth is we need those friends who have chosen to love us at all times. We all need a friend who will rise up to our situations when we feel weak to rise up for ourselves. Friendship is distinct from every other kind of relationship because it chooses to come alongside in mutual affection. Right? It chooses to come alongside in mutual affection. The the unique thing about friendship lies in the fact that a friend is one who is not only there for another in times of trouble or joy, but the friend is someone who is not ashamed to expose his need. Right? I'm sure many of you would say that I need a friend who would come to help me. Or some of you would say, I am a good friend because I help my brother or my sister. I am a good friend because I help my friend. Some of you would say that. But trust me, if we look at, if we continue to look through what real friendship is all about, we understand that a friend is someone that would come to you to say, I need help. It's not just saying, I want to help you. This friend will come to you and say, 
you know what? I'm so messed up. I need help. Just come help me. So friendship is also a communion of people that need help. How many of you have that one friend that has never come to you for help? Like, how would you feel? Like, you all have been friends for four years, and that person has never said, help me. Like, that's weird. Right? Or how many of you have that one friend? Like, you, you can see this friend struggling to carry something. Right? Maybe he's trying to, I don't know, carry this, and he's struggling. And then you're like, hey, bro, can I help you out? And he's like, I got it. I got it. You don't got it. Like, no. <laughs> no, I'm sure many of us have seen that person before, that kind of person before. But that's, that's friendship also lies in being able to say, I need help. I'm needy. So, the truth is, sometimes when our weakness is exposed, in most cases, when our weakness is exposed, we want to hide. We want to hide from our friend. The truth is, the truth sometimes is that we don't want to continue with friendship when our weakness is exposed. Because we want people to see the glory that we have. We want people to see our strengths. But the truth is that in friendship, people must also see our weakness. Our friends must be able to see our, our weaknesses. For some of us, we are like, you know what, I don't want to make any friends. I'm good with social media or my phone. You know what, I can just post what I want people to see about me. But today, the question we have is this. What is the hope? of a friend whose weakness has been exposed. What is the hope that we have in our weakness? Is your hope social media? Is your hope social media? At least you can post on social media where people can just recognize you for what you post rather than who you are in your secret place. Is isolation your hope? When people see, when you know people have actually seen your weakness, or when you know your friends have seen your weakness, do you hide from them? Do you isolate yourself? Or you go to them to say, I need you. Do you ghost your friends? Do you give them those silent treatments? And, and this final one is very important. Is, is penance your hope? Now, this is what I mean by penance here. Like, you are that one friend, you're always thinking of how to pay back someone that has helped you. Even when they tell you, no, it's fine, you don't have to pay back. You're always thinking of it. Now, there's nothing wrong with appreciating people, right? But then, if every time people help you, your mindset is, how do I pay back? When your friends help you, you're always thinking, you know, I got to do something back. I owe my friend all the time. That has no friendship. Beloved church, again, what's the hope that we have when our weakness has been exposed? All right, what's the hope that we have? So, the truth is this, right? The truth is, the hope we have in the time of neediness 
All right, sorry, I'm trying to operate this. What's happening? Sorry, you, you all would have to like, just forgive me, I'm an intern. <laughs> all right, I'm there, all right. So this is it, right? <laughs> all right, thank you very much. All right, it says this, right? The hope that we have, our friendship in Christ, our friendship with Christ is the hope we have in the time of neediness. That's the hope that we have. Romans 5, so if you look at um, Romans um, 5, 6 to 9, right? Romans 5, 6 to 9, it says, For while we were still weak and at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, no one, for, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Paul is making the argument here that, you know what, Christ didn't have to die for us. It would be much better to die for a perfect person. That's the way we think. It would be okay to die for someone that is good. But Paul said, no. Christ died for us even when we were weak. Christ is the atonement for our sins. The one-time atonement for our sins. But then look at, just let's look at verse 10. It says, since therefore we have now been justified by this blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Now listen to this. Christ is the one-time atonement, but even now. says, we have now been justified by his blood. So even right now, although we were enemies of God, right now the life of Christ still saves us. And that's what's happening. It says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. So Christ saved us once. Yes, church, I'm sure many of you know your doctrine so well, right? Doctrine of justification. You have been justified once and for all, right? But the life of Christ still continues to save you. And that's the life of Christ. And now let me explain it further. So it says this, right? If you look at the old book of 1 John 1, right? 1 John 1 says that Christ is the what is our advocate when we sin. And this same Christ is the what? Is the atonement for our sin or the propitiation of our sin. So the advocate, um, Christ does not stop being our advocate. Christ continues to be our advocate because he continues. The word advocate there, it's, the Greek word is translated as helper or as someone who comes alongside. Christ continues to be the one that comes alongside you. So, 
Christ did not just save you once and he was like, he didn't just say, all right, I've saved you all, bye. No. His life still continues to help us. So Christ is that friend who loves always. Christ is. But Christ, who is righteous and holy, died for the ones who were weak. Brothers, we are once weak, and even right now, right now, we all are still weak and needy of Jesus. Every day, we have to depend on him, day after day. And Christ is that friend that never leaves us. In heaven, he still prays for us. He still intercedes for us. We are needy people, church. We are all needy people. So let's check this out. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to, say, 9 to 10, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. And it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Now, that passage is not saying woe to the person that falls. No, that passage is saying, woe to the person that falls and has not another to lift him up. That's it. On judgment day, woe to us if we don't have any other person to lift us up. Woe to us if we don't have a savior to lift us up. That's it, brothers. We have that friend. He, has, he died for us. One-time atonement. In our sanctification, he continues to save us. In our glorification, he continues to save us. It's always there. So, the Bible also makes us to understand that, you know, in Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, and, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. The truth is this. As we all recognize the, our neediness of Christ, it helps us to realize that we need one another. We need one another. Iron sharpens iron. It would not make sense if iron tries to sharpen itself. Right? How would that even work? No matter how strong you think, you can't sharpen yourself. No matter how. And that's what scripture is trying to tell. The truth is that we need each other. And in Christ, there is no shame in being needy. Because that's, what, that's who we are. So when I go right in front of my friend, I'm like... Bro, Pastor Aki, you know what? I need help. I shouldn't be ashamed. You shouldn't be ashamed to meet your friends to say, I need your help. I don't know how to mow a lawn. I need your help. Eddie, I need your help. Right? I disturb him every day. Right? He's my housemate, so I disturb him every day. Right? Yeah. So that's it. We all need each other. 
Now, the question for you is, do your so-called friends actually know you need something today? Do your friends know you need something, you are in need? Or are you hiding it? Do your friends know that you need counsel from them? Do your friends know that you, you need their advice? Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are. So it means that truthful are, helpful are the, are the wounds of a friend. Now, it, it just reminds me of an example where I come from in Africa, right, or in Nigeria. What, what happens, like, like, imagine you hit your toe on the wood, right? When you hit your toe on your wood and you're like, yeah! <laughs> now, this is what happens next. You call your friend, help me! And then your friend would come, and this is always, this happens all the time. The next thing they think of is, give me that leg, and then they start massaging it. And then the more they are massaging it, the more you are feeling the pain. And you're like, what? I thought you were here to help me. And they'll be like, no, if I massage it this way, this is how the pain would reduce. Like, what? No, I'm feeling pain right now. But one thing, I, one thing we realize is this, is that once you are done with that process, the pain reduces. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, it also means here that sometimes our friends, when, sometimes when they want to give us some advice that we don't like, a true friend is not like, yes, I'm going to advise my friend today, I'm a, and I'm happy about it. I know my advice is going to hurt my friend, but I'm so happy. <laughs> no! Does it happen that way? Your, your, your friends would also, it, they'll feel the pain of giving you painful advice. It's painful. True friends would see your hypocrisy, they'll see your sins, they'll see your bad habits, they'll see your manners, they'll see your tendencies, and would come to you in love and gentleness to confront it. But the truth is this, if we are that true friend, if you are that true friend who is willing to love you that way, would you remain in that friendship? If you are that friend who is always willing to come to your need, always, would you remain in that friendship? Would you remain there? Some of us have left friends because, because they help us a lot. They're always there. They love us too much. Right? And why, why, and why do we separate from them? It's as simple as we want glory for ourselves. We want to be seen as strong and mighty. But in Christ, we are not that. That's not who you are in Christ. We are people who depend on Christ. So there should be no shame in our weakness. There should be no shame. So this takes me to my second point, which says, we have friendship in Christ. We have friendship in Christ. 
Remember, the question we are examining today is, why should we even pursue this communion? Why should we even pursue friendship? Like two people are coming together. One is needy, the other is needed. After a week, the other person is needy and the other person is needed. Why should we even pursue this kind of relationship? The truth is this also. The truth is that we are not all, we are not only needy, but we are needed. Some of you might be saying, golden, don't start with me. You just, you just spent the last 15 to 20 minutes telling me that I'm needy. Now you're telling me that I'm needed. The factor there is this, in Christ, we are both In Christ, we are both. And how is that? It is the power of Christ working in us that makes us both needy and needed at the same time. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, right? God, God, as in Christ, Jesus said to Paul, my power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Yay! Grace gives. You used all your strength to wash all the cars. Trust me, it is the strength of God that made you to do all of that. Doesn't mean you are not needy. It is the power of God working in us that makes us needed in spite of our neediness. And Paul later says that he will boast in his weakness. He would boast in his weakness. So let's just take a look at um, John 15, 12 to 15. John 15, verse 12 to 15. It says, this is my command. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And he says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus here is elevating his disciples from the place of a servant to friends. Now, this does not mean that the disciples would no longer serve, right? Friendship means higher service. This is now higher service. Like, it means that, you know what, if the disciples were serving 10% when they were just servants, but now that they are friends, whoo, they have to like take it more. They have to serve more. That's what he means. But, but Jesus is saying, no longer would he call them servants, but he's going to call them friends. And why is that? That's because Jesus would lay his life down for them. And not only would Jesus lay his life down for them, Jesus would... Say to the disciples, see everything the Father is doing. Jesus would expose the knowledge of the Father to the disciples. 
Jesus would sacrifice himself and expose the knowledge of the Father to his disciples. And, and with those two elements, sacrifice and knowledge of the Father, Jesus calls his disciples friends. And now that they have been, now that they will be exposed to the knowledge of the Father, now that they will be recipients of the sacrifice that Christ would give, Christ calls them to love one another. See, listen, right? The knowledge of the Father is not, should not end, the knowledge of the Father should not end in mere intelligence, right? But the knowledge of the Father should always end in love. Should always end in love. It should always. So, how many of you, many of you have friends here? But I know many of you have also read books about friendship, right? Um, ten ways to make your friendship more, or ten ways to make your friends more happier or something. Many of you have read books like that. But I know one thing that there are two major elements in friendship, and that must be there. Sacrifice and knowledge. Now, you won't tell me that you are a friend to someone that you don't know. Doesn't make sense. And you won't also tell me that you are a friend to someone that you've never actually loved, you've never sacrificed for, you've never given to this person. Like, you say, I'm a friend, I'm, this person is my friend, but... All right, I'll ask you, okay, what have you ever done for this person? You say, oh, I've never done anything. It doesn't make sense. All right, okay, okay, yeah. All right, this person is your friend. All right, what's this person's favorite TV show or something? And you're like, I don't know. What? So there, there are just those two elements. You must know that person. And Christ is saying, Come and know me. So this is it. The disciples are called friends because they are benefactors of Christ's grace and mercy and knowledge of the Father. And because of this, they must love one another. And this friendship must be showcased in continual acts of sacrificial love for one another and knowledge of one another. This love must be like the love for friendship or the love for our friends must be so deep that we seek to know more about them. But the question for you today is this, do you know your friend? Husbands, do you know your wife? Wives, do you know your husband? Husbands, do you know what your wife is up to? Wives, do you know what your husband is up to? Oh, I heard someone saying no. <laughs> right? Do you know? Do you know what your child is up to? Do you know what your child is doing? Now imagine God comes to you and says, where, where is your brother? Imagine, imagine God comes right now and says that to you. Would, you. would you say, am I my brother's keeper? 
right? The love of Christ must compel us to love as Christ has loved us. Now, you know, as we all know, we've studied this so many times. We've actually studied that, you know, the Bible calls us to greet one another. The Bible calls us to honor one another. The Bible calls us to um, love one another, to share with one another. But, But it is almost impossible to do all of this without knowledge of needs. And sometimes it's hard to get this knowledge. So the question is, how would you know the needs of others if you don't walk up to them and listen to them? How would you even know their needs if you don't ask them relevant questions? God has called us to love one another, but it takes walking up to people and being attentive to their needs. What is their need? So do you know your friends? Do you know your friends? So another question for us today is, even if you know your friends, what will you do with the knowledge of your friend? What will you do with that knowledge? If you know your friend's weaknesses, what would you do with that knowledge? And if you know your friend's strength, what would you do with that knowledge? Would you, would you see the good in them? Always. Or do you continue to bring back discussions concerning their weaknesses? Always. That does not build friendship. That does not, because Christ does not do that for us. Christ is not doing that to you in your state of neediness. Christ remembers your sins no more. And if you know your friend, what would you do with that knowledge? Like if you know your friend is about to do something wrong, would you flatter them? Would you say um, your friend is about to walk into a pit and then you're like, all right, go on, good for you, none of my business. No. Or would you give them godly counsel? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 5, it says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. It means that when you flatter your neighbor, you are contributing to their weakness. You are elevating their weaknesses. Proverbs 27, verse 9 says, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So when you have the knowledge of what your friend is doing, would you be there for them to give them counsel? Would you be there for them to even encourage them? So what will you do with the knowledge that you have concerning your friend? When you have knowledge that someone here in church is grieving, would you walk up to them and just be there for them? The truth is that when the knowledge of people's issues, right, anytime we get to know the knowledge of our friends' issues, it always gives us the burden to do something about it. And we have a choice. Is that we choose to be lazy about it, right, not even do anything about it, or we choose to be there for our friends and to love them always.
for some of you, you might be saying, you know what, uh, yes, Golden, you're saying I am needed and Christ has made me needed. I'm too old. I don't think I'm needed. For some of you, you might be saying, I'm too young. Right? Let me get older before I can do great things, before I can be needed. Some of you might be saying, I'm single, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert, um, I'm an immigrant like me. Um, I, I've, never, I've, never been, I've never been a mom. How would I help a mom? Some of you might be saying, I've never experienced loss. How can I help someone that has experienced loss? But I want you to know today that by faith, you are needed. By faith, you are needed. So we, we reach out to help our friends, not because we feel like, not out of our feelings, but out of faith in what Christ has done for us. Christ reached out to us in our weakness, and he helped us. Christ became the friend that we could never be. For us, Christ became a friend. For us, Christ applied the wisdom of friendship. So church, I want you to know today that you are needy and also needed in Christ. And it is the power of Christ that works in you that just makes you both at the same time. So this takes me to my um, final point, which says we have friendship through humility. We have friendship through humility. So then, what is the wisdom of communion between the needy and the needed? What is the wisdom? What can sustain the continuous bond of love between the needy and the needed? Paul puts it so well in Philippians 2, verse 1 to 11. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Christ humbled himself to the cross. We can see the image of Christ right there. Coming to earth, even though he was God, but he took the form of man and humbled himself before God. Taking the form of a servant. Before God, he did that. He humbled himself towards God, and that humility is what makes us all saved today. And then, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, 
so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now, let's look at this. Christ humbled himself. God bestows glory upon Christ. Christ glorifies God and God glorifies Christ. And that is the divine friendship that we have right there. That is the divine friendship of the Trinity that we hold on to day after day, that we look up to day after day. That is it. Christ humbled himself. God glorifies Christ. And that is, that is all we look up to. You know, the bond of love is sustained. The bond of love that we all have today is sustained by the joint work or the compound unity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The love that we have to emulate today, or the love, I won't even use the word emulate, I'll say the love that we look up to, the love that we behold day after day, is that communion of the Trinity. And that is the ultimate friendship we look up to. That is the hope of our friendship. That is the hope of friendship. The hope of friendship is the communion of the Trinity. So whether we are needy or needed, we ought not to be ashamed to be vulnerable, nor should we consider ourselves better than each other, nor should we consider our needs greater than, the other, than another person's need. All because we all together with unveiled face continue to behold the glory of God, whereby we are transformed from one glory to the other. Church, the glory that we behold every day, the glory that we look up to every day, it's the glory of the Father and of, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, all three glorifying or sharing glory among each other. Church, our friendship should reflect this image of God. Not only on this earth, but even in heaven, we would behold God as he is, where we ourselves will, fu will fully glorify this divine friendship. When we all get to heaven, this is why we will rejoice. We will rejoice in that divine friendship in the Trinity. Church, are you waiting to see this glory? Are you waiting to see this glory? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for how you love us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for just dying for us, even in our weakness, oh Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you continue to come alongside us, oh Father. And Lord Jesus, I just ask that you give us grace to depend on you, oh God. I pray, Lord Jesus, you give us strength, Lord Jesus, to walk up to one another and to love one another. You give us strength, oh God, to be vulnerable concerning our sins and to confess our sins to one another and to expose our weaknesses to one another, oh Lord. Because in you, Christ, we are both needy and needed, for your power is sufficient for us. For in Jesus' name, amen.